for Australian made. It's important to buy Australian right now. Look for the logo and be sure it's Aussie. Road to the Ashes with Simon O'Donnell and Steve Harmison. Hello everyone and welcome again to another edition of Road to the Ashes. Thanks to Australian Made, look for the green and gold kangaroo. Simon O with you from the SEN studios here in Australia. And we've got a mighty show coming up for you. Australian captain Pat Cummins, he's gone one-on-one with SEN Cricket's Barat Sandarason. English spinning great Moddy Panasar, spinning great. Well, I'm going to debate that with Harmy a little later on, whether we, we go down the great passage with Monty. But uh, Monty Panasar will be joining us uh, a little later on, and uh, apparently he's uh, a lot of fun, Monty. And we'll preview, of course, the World Test Championship gets underway in uh, just over 24 hours, or just under 24 hours' time. But, as usual, with me from uh, the Talk Sports Studios over in the UK, Steve Harmison joins me, a man whose top test score is 49. What a man he is. Harmy, welcome to you. Hello, Simon. Hello, everyone. Yeah, 49. It's still there. It's still in black and white. 49. It's been a long week, mate. They're all getting into me over here. They're all getting into (laughs) me over here, pal. (laughs) No, looking forward to this week. It's going to be a great week. England did the business last week, and it's going to be, I think, a tough five days for for Australia at the Oval against India because they look as though they've got a good side. So I think all in all, I think preparation for both sides even though there's a few injuries injuries knocking about, I think they're all going in the right direction heading in towards June 16. Let's have a look at uh, that match against Ireland uh, over the weekend. Now, England dominated as as we would expect them to do. I thought a couple of really good things came out of it. Your top order got all got runs, your top yeah. four. Um, your, your key bowlers, Stuart Broad, five for in the first innings, and then um, Wagging Tongue, he got himself five for in the second. So... He goes into that squad for the Ashes uh, chock full of confidence after a really good Test match effort. He does. He bowled well in the first innings, but he didn't get the wickets he probably deserved, which I don't think was a bad thing because then when you've had a good night's sleep, you've digested your first day in Test cricket, first innings in Test cricket, um, you feel, right, I bowled well, but I didn't get wickets. How do I now go and, and get wickets? And he, he came back second innings. And the, the beauty about it, I liked it, Simon, is that he had the durability to keep going at 85, 87 mile an hour. He's fifth wicket in the 18th over of the second innings, um, 80th over of the of the of the of the of the first uh, third innings of the match mm. um, was 85, 87 mile an hour. So that tells you that he's still he's got a bit he's got a bit of ticker. He's he's got some strength there. He's durable and he he, he keeps his pace up, which is something he'll need if he wants to go into a forge a good test career. Stuart Broad just doesn't go away, does he? He really doesn't. As much as you want to write him off, as much as you think, right, I'm not, probably not in my first 11 when it comes to the Ashes um, on June 16. He always, and it was the nap of the week that Stuart Broad was going to get a fifer, um, and he just doesn't go away. So I think, but there were question marks there really was question marks. There were periods in that game later on um, when in uh, Ireland's number numbers seven and number nine put on 160 for the you know for the seventh or the eighth wicket, whichever one you were looking at it, because there were a man down with a retired hurt. So Jack Leach obviously was injured, but at the time you didn't know that, and he didn't look as though he bowled that well. Ball went soft. Ball went the the deer went flat. The sun was out. 
uh, pitch was good, and all of a sudden you're thinking if if numbers seven and nine for Ireland can go and get 160 in that period, um, what could Smith, Labashian, Head, Green do if if that was in the same boat? So I think there's some selection issues for this you know, England unit to look at and go, well, if it does go like that, we need our fast men. We need something different. Um, and I'm sure that's what they've been thinking of there for ne- when it comes to the selection for next week. Hard to, I think it's sort of hard to pick on you know, those periods of the game where England looked that little bit flat, honey. It, hmm. it was Ireland. They were in control. You know, the Ashes, you know, even with the World Test Championship coming up for Australia, that focus is sort of, you know, let's get it out of the road and get on with the Ashes. So, yeah. I, you know, I, I cut them some slack from that point of view. But to, to see that top order, you know, Ben Duckett, Ollie Pope getting hundreds, um, Jonathan Crawley, you know, 50, and then you know, gets the game over and done with in four deliveries in the second innings, those sort of things, you know, they, they just walk into the dressing room. They did to Ireland what they should have. Yeah, 100%. The, uh, 100%, that was the, the plan. Yeah, England, for, for 12 months ago and been before, going to Australia, you know, playing at home, England were like, well, we can't get first innings run. Our highest score in the first innings or any innings is about 320. And we're lucky to get 200 if Joe Root doesn't get 100. Um, all of a sudden now we're we're hitting them we're we're hitting four fifty five hundred. They're they're scores that win test matches. Mm. No matter who you're playing, whether you're playing Ireland or you're playing Australia. So that's the good things. There's a lot of good positive things that come out of it. Harry Brook didn't get a bat. Ben Stokes didn't really get a bat. But England have gone talked about a flat period with the ball. It could go the opposite way. That could happen to Australia. And if that happened to Australia, even with the firepower that Australia have got, Duckett's got runs under his belt. Hope spent a lot of time in the middle. So they get training their brains and their body to cash in when periods go flat in England. And they do, it does go flat. The sun does come out mm. every now and again. Um, and whoever you're playing, you can you can score quickly in 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 England. So I think there were some good signs, you know, and some not so good signs. And that's now up to Australia to go and do the same against India when the game comes around the corner this week. I mean, you mentioned earlier, and I, I think it's it's really interesting. There's still some injury worries, and I want I do want to talk about Ben Stokes. I, I've got I've just got a I've got a feeling there's something not quite right. By by June mm. 16, it, it it may be all okay. If you said to me two years ago, three years ago, that Jack Leach was going to be an integral part of the England eleven, I said, mate, look, whatever you're doing, stop doing it and find another way of yeah. you know, being re- real because you know, he, he, he just won't be. But he is. And I, you know, I give him his due. You know, he, he fights like you know, an absolute lion with the bat. And then his bowling has just come on and he works off his partner so well at the other end. Now, for him now to go out with Strex fractures after this Ireland game and not take part in any of the Ashes, it's a far bigger blow than I ever thought it was going to be when he first started his Test career. One, would you agree with me? And two, who's the guy that comes in and he, can he fill a similar role to what a Jack Leach does? Well, they both go hand in hand, them questions, because yes, I agree, he's a massive integral part of England's 
uh, resurgence under Ben Stokes and Brendan McCullum. That's down to management. I think Ben Stokes' management management of Jack Leach and belief in Jack Leach that, no, he's my man. You will always play on my team, but this is the way you're going to be managed. You're not going to have everybody on the boundary and then bring them in. You're going to have fielders up. You're going to bowl you know, a tight line, a line which is, you know, looking for wickets rather than a containment. Um, and the flip side to that, the second part of the question is who comes in. The reason why he's an integral part, the reason why he's a massive, he's going to be a, a big miss, is because of who we've got to come in. Mm. Now, England have got in their, in their ranks, they've got some very, very talented spinners, but they're all 18, 17, 18, 19, where you cannot even contemplate mentioning their names at the minute in an Ashes build-up. Rather than you know, let alone play them. So they're there for another day. They're still learning their trade. And the four names that I've got written down here tells you why Jack Leach is a massive part because you've got Rian Ahmed who played in Pakistan, nineteen-year-old leg spinner. You're not sure uh, you can you put him in. You've got Liam Dawson, very experienced left-arm spinner, but he's a batter who bowls a bit of spin. Um, he's better than that, but he's, in first-class cricket, he's better than that. But in Test cricket. He's a batter that can bowl a bit of spin. Will Jacks, another one, exactly the same as Liam Dawson, but obviously at the other end of his career, just coming through. In first-class cricket, comfortable spinner, but in test cricket, he's a batter who can bowl a bit of spin. And this is the way I'd go, and uh, this will probably raise eyebrows in Australia. Um, I'd go Moen Ali. If you can get Moen Ali to play and get Moen Ali up for the fight, you know, be part of this new regime, for five test matches, I'd go back to Mo and Ali, and that tells you how threadbare the England mm. bow air spin bowling stocks are because we're going to have to bring somebody out of retirement who, when he finished playing a few years ago, said he's he just fell out of love with test cricket, fell out of love with the longer format of cricket. And I think one of the reasons, Simon, that we haven't had a replacement in the squad, Jack Leach has been out of the squad for about four days now. Mm. Now, that squad's 10 days away are yeah, 10 days away from the Ashes. If they had somebody bang straight in named Jack Leach is out, unfortunate, stress fracture, such and such is in. I think the reason why we haven't got the such and such is in bit, I think they're still trying to convince Mo and Ali that it's right for him to come back and play test cricket against Australia on June 16th. That's how threadbare we are from a spin bowling point of view. Okay, just going through the England squad for the, the Ashes series, um, I mean, I'll just read the names out to you. I want you to pick out two that we're going mm. to see at Edgbaston as as the key ingredients for England to do well. Now, the squad as it sits at the moment, now it still has Jack Leach in it. They haven't made the move yet of naming his replacement or, or not prior to us going to air this evening, but um, that will happen in the not-too-distant future. Ben Stokes, of course, Ollie Pope, Johnny Bairstow, Joe Root, James Anderson, Stuart Broad, Harry Brook, Jack Leach, who will be replaced, Ben Duckett, Zach Crawley, Matthew Potts, Ollie Robinson, Dan Lawrence, Chris Wokes, Mark Wood, and Josh Tung. Now, who will miss out of that group, do you think, in the in the first test? So you, your bowlers and your batters and your key batter, your key bowler for England to win that first test, Steve? The, the difficult part to that question is what they do with the spin bowler. Because if they, if they go down with 
the young leg spinner, then I think it's virtually impossible for Mark Wood to play because you are then you are going in with because you've got to remember Ben Stokes isn't hardly going to bowl, so England mm. have not like it's a little bit like yesteryear when England played Australia and England had chance to beat Australia and England beat Australia. It was because we had a you know, fantastic all-rounder, both of them in your day, Flintoff in my day, and Stokes now. Now, Strauss's team was a little bit of an anomaly, but he had he had Swan, who was an a unbelievable spin bowler, where Australia always just had four bowlers, three mm. quicks in Warney. Now, England might have to go down that road, but you've got to have three banking, you know, hang your hat out on the quicks. I would have said last week, if you asked that question, Mark Wood is the integral part of this team. Chances of winning against Australia because you need a 90 mile an hour plus bowler. Now, trying to pick a 90 plus mile an hour bowler with only four bowlers and one of them's a 19 year old leg spinner or a part-time off spinner or a part-time left arm spinner in Dawson's case, Jax's case and Dawson's case. All of a sudden now we are, we, so trying to pick somebody is very, very difficult. When it comes to the batting, I think Ollie Pope is massive for England mm. in this series at number three. He really is. So he'd be the one in the batting department. And then in the bowling department, if it, if Wood is sacrificed because we have to pick a, a different type of spin bowler and pick three sort of your, your, your Robinson, Anderson and Broad, then I think Robinson's the key man. I think Robinson's a key man anywhere because I think Australia look at him as though he's 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 got good qualities in English cricket who will be dangerous to the inside and the outside edge and makes a ball bounce. So I think if I was to pick two who need to have good series for England have a chance, one would be Ollie Robinson and the other one would be Oliver Pope. Can you take Jimmy Anderson and Mark Wood and Stuart Broad can you have two of those three in your attack, particularly with the the build up for for James Anderson in particular, and 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 for Wood, with, with injury clouds at times? Do you, do you? What's the risk involved there? I think the risks involved. I, I think you've got to put the risk involved to what the potential outcome could be, and I think Stokes not bowling as much means you have to be 100% on all four of your your bowling options. You're not you're not 100% now on your spin bowling option because if you're going to have to go back to to mowing, you're not so sure on on that and the other three names I've mentioned I've said in this show what the sort of pitfalls are of having them. So Robinson's got an ankle problem, Anderson's got a groin problem and Wood is Wood has had injury problems throughout his career. So to have one of them go down in a test match, you're more or less Saying you, if one of them goes down a test match, you don't win that test match. Mm. You fight like anything to, to, to draw it, but you can't take 20 wickets, and 20 wickets is a currency. So that's where I keep saying it, we might have to then go with Rod Anderson and Robinson. Which, if it gets to a passage like it did against Ireland and the ball gets flat and the sun comes out, I'm not sure where England get one wicket from if it's that because they might slow the run rate down but then they'll be waiting for Australia to make a mistake. That's why they need wood. That's why they need that little bit extra pierce and injection. So it'll be an ask and a risk, whoever they go in with, if you've got, with you not having, not having Stokes, but they need Mark Wood. Mm. They need Mark Wood as much as 
Australia need Pat Cummins. They've got that little bit difference. They've got that little bit X factor. And when it's flat, they can get a wicket from nowhere. Oh, very interesting. Um, the challenges uh, lay in front of those English selectors uh, from a spin and pace bowling perspective as we build up to June 16, the first Ashes Test. But first is the World Test Championship at the Oval. We're going to concentrate on that after the break. This is Road to the Ashes, thanks to Australian Made. Look for the green and gold kangaroo. For Australian Made, it's important to buy Australian right now. Look for the logo and be sure it's Aussie. Road to the Ashes with Simon O'Donnell and Steve Harmison. Welcome back to Road to the Ashes. Thanks to Australian Made. Look for the green and gold kangaroo. Simon O'Donnell, Steve Harmison with you. Well, the World Test Championship finally gets underway on Wednesday, June 7, Australian time. Australia taking on India at the Oval, of course, in London. Australian captain Pat Cummins. He caught up with SEN Cricket's Barat Sander Rayson. Prior to the game, this is what he had to say, the skipper. Pat Cummins, thanks for joining us on SEN Cricket. Uh, you've been part of World Cup finals before, you won World Cups before. World Test Championship final, it's kind of unique uh, scenario for you. What does it feel like just going into it? Yeah, it feels unique. Um, you know, normally those other events are at the back of a busy month-long tournament or so. This has been spread out over two years. So um, I think, uh, yeah, the mystery of playing India, you know, neutral com- uh, countries um, yeah just really interesting there's just so different to I guess a normal test match so we're excited we feel like we deserve a spot in the final and um, pretty excited does it like change the way you prepare at all because of the uniqueness the randomness almost right India is almost fantasy booking as we call it in wrestling uh, where you're playing India at the Oval in June when it's never happened before uh, I'd say you prepare kind of similar to how you prepare against England. Like, it's more about these conditions, getting used to the conditions as a batter and a bowler. Um, and then, you know, some of the research into the opposition doesn't really <laughs> hold true because they're normally on spinning wicket, wickets in Delhi or, you know, a fast bouncy gabba wicket or something. So uh, it's just, uh, yeah, a little bit different. Uh, and, and just uh, about the makeup of your team, uh, looks likely that Scott Boland will play now that Josh Hazel has been rested for the Ashes. Uh, how do you see him going and uh, just the, the foursome that you will form with him in the, in the lineup? Uh, I think Scotty will be brilliant like he has um, pretty much every test match he's played. Um, these conditions, you know, hopefully should suit him. It's a pretty simple game plan, top of off stump all day and... Um, you know, I'm sure he'll get rewarded. So he's fit. He's had a really good couple of month break. Um, you know, ready for a, yeah, big big English summer. Uh, David Warner has always said like he wants to keep playing for Australia till the time he can win world titles for them. This is a great opportunity for him. Uh, he's also made his announcement or his announced his desire to retire in front of his home crowd in Sydney. Uh, just you know, your take on his comments and uh, just how you see him going. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. You know, that'd be a fairy tale finish for, for Davey um, after a long test career to finish at home, SCG. Um, but, you know, he'd be the first one to admit you've got to be scoring runs and, um, you know, to, to make sure that you're in uh, in the team every time. So, um, yeah, hopefully um, he's churning out hundreds and hits 100 on his <laughs> final game in the SCG. There's a bit of cricket before that, though. Probably 100 in this final. If it works out. Yeah. Uh, it, it just a couple uh, for me, Pat. Uh, uh, going back to preparation, there's also the Ashes coming up. Uh, so 
while you're focused on this, do you have half an eye on the Ashes or will it start again once this match is done? It'll mainly start once we once we finish this match. Um, I think the prep leading to this game is about been getting used to these English conditions, the Duke Spore. Um, you know, it's all things that are a little bit different to, well, certainly different to India where we just were a couple of months ago, but different to what we're used to back home. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, the planning will start kind of after this test match as we zero in on the opposition. Uh, and finally, I mean, Cam Green has just spent uh, the last two months. Uh, calling Rohit Sharma as captain. Uh, uh, have you brought him back into the camp? Have you have to remind him that you are his captain? I know, I know. I keep seeing him having dinner with all the uh, couple of his Indian teammates. Um, no, Granny's been great. Good to get him back. Uh, yeah, he managed to get home to Perth for a couple of days to freshen up. And um, yeah, it's the same old Granny that's come back to us. <laughs> thanks so much, Matt. Go well. Great. Thanks, Barat. Cheers. Yeah, the Aussie skipper there with Barat Sandarason. And uh, he had a bit of spring in his... His step, I thought, uh, Pat Cummins, uh, looking forward to you know, getting into what is going to be a, a fantastic summer, but made a distinction that, hey, we're here for these five mm. to six days at the Oval before we, we hone in on what's happening for the Ashes. So very single-minded about what their job is, Harmy. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought he took two or three points out to, to sort of make and that he made, I, I, I sort of picked up on and, and throw back at you is Simon is that talk about Warner and his retirement and that that decision you know if Warner gets his wish for me then he wins the Ashes because if he's still in the test team after two games means he's had a good start the test summer he's put England on the back foot um and that that goes a long way of uh, of getting a a stronghold in in the Ashes Uh, Scott Boland talked about Scott Boland and it's a bit different to Australian conditions. And he talked about Scott Boland being uh, basically a safe pair of hands that hits the top of off stump. Now, the top of off stump has disappeared. Everybody that's bowled the top of off stump against this England batting unit, whether it's Onrik Nokia and Kigisa Rabada at 90 mile an hour, whether it's Pakistan bowlers in Pakistan, you know, Tim Southey, who is unbelievable performer in New Zealand. Everybody that's just run up and hit the top of off stump has gone over third man on a, as a reverse scoop, been pulled off, you know, no end through mid-wicket, slugged over the top of extra, uh, over the top of mid-wicket, smashed over extra cover. So Scott Boland's selection, you go, well, if he is like a bowling machine, just hits the top of off stump. I think the England bowlers quite like facing that because that's what's that's what's disappeared in this last 12 months. So I'm interested to see how they change if because this is the this is the big thing for me with this England Australian Ashes is that everybody that's come and gone it won't happen to me by the time they've gone through a, a test match and a half that that train that bullet train that's hit the opposition that England have played They've got no answers, nowhere to go and gone, wow, what is this? And that could be, I think that was just evident in that interview with Pat Cummins. Yeah, I, I think you know, the the Australians will do their homework after this Indian tested finish. Um, and if you know, England start to get away with that, that aggression and that unorthodox play, for want of a better way of putting it, I, I think you know, that they, they need to have a plan B. And I think in any of these games, you need to have a plan B. So, 
if Scott Boland and the way he bowls uh, isn't isn't working uh, to the exactness they would like, well, you know, you've, you've got to be able to adjust. And that's, I think, a key ingredient to any test nation now. It's not as simple as going out with what England now do. It's not as simple as going out and saying, boys, hit the top of off stump. Those days are probably changing a fair yeah. bit. It, now we're seeing more 2020 bowling coming into it, more 50 over bowling coming into it with using your crease more, bowling different sorts of deliveries at different paces, those sort of things. So it, you have to become more of a thinking bowler in test cricket instead of just going that long period of time of making sure that you know we're line and length and we're building pressure. It, I think the, the way to build pressure against England is going to be getting wickets. And if it takes variety to get those wickets, well, the Australians have got to make sure that they're, they're capable of doing it. On the David Warner situation, what I'm probably most pleased about, Harmy, is you know, it wasn't sort of asking for a farewell tour. It was saying, you know, and he has been one of our greats, but he said, my form's not there. You know, this is what I'd like to do, but if my form doesn't warrant it, so be it. It, it doesn't happen. So you know, he's put back on the agenda that you have to perform to stay in this Australian team, which on the eve of what they're going to go through on this English summer – I think is really smart, and it, it, it probably endeared David Warner to a lot of people that he may have been on the you know at the crossroads with that were thinking, oh, gee whiz. I think they'll probably say, oh, I'll give him another chance because it wasn't something you probably expect so much from David Warner, and he came out and basically said, hey, you know, want to play, give it my best shot, but if I'm not doing what we need to do to win and hold my spot as an individual batsman, no favours for me. Yeah, no, no, I agree. And I think, what well, I actually think David Warner was talking to himself. Mm. I really do. Mm. When he was talking about the retirement, talking about getting to Sydney, I think he was having a conversation with himself more than anything else, which was to get himself, well, if you don't perform, you're not going to get to Sydney. I'd love to go out. And he deserves it, I must admit. I've got a lot of time for David Warner. I really have. I think he's been great for the game, apart from that one stupid moment that he had in South Africa. And I've been questioned on when I said moment, because it probably wasn't a moment, it's better over a prolonged period. But it was the moment he got caught was the one that will always go with his career or have a cloud over his career that's going. But he's had a fantastic career. And I think, you know, proper, proper players, top, top quality players, who have been fantastic for the game. And I mean, fantastic for the game. Not all not all, not all, things fantastic for the game have to be nice. That don't have to be this sort of, oh, he's a great player, he's a great bloke, he's this, that, and the other. Yeah, little Jack Russells, little Terriers can be great for the game because when you go into a ground or you go into a series, the person you want to love to hate, they're good for the game mm. because they, they, they're characters in the game. And Davey Warner's definitely one of them. And he, he deserves a chance to go out the way he wants to go out because his his career has has deemed that. Um, but when I heard him talk, I was like, I was a bit like the Graham Swan one when he decided to retire in in Australia. It's like, well, I'm going to go and tell the world I'm retiring, and then I'm going to go and tell my teammates and my captain after, as opposed to you doing a process and doing it for. Mm. I was just wondering if David Warner was trying to get himself g'd up to go right. I made this big statement now. I'm going out in eight months' time what I've got to perform to get to eight months' time. And I think largely down to his performance would be runs in the World Test Championship and runs in the first test. And like I said before, if he gets to Sydney, 
I think he goes a long way winning the Ashes for Australia because it means he's performed early in an Ashes series as an opening batter. That tends to put you on the front foot and give you a great chance of winning. At the World Test Championship, it gets underway at the Oval, less than 24 hours. There is a reserve day. They're, they're, they're making sure they're giving this match every chance to get a result. Um, who wins and why, Harmy? I, I, I think you know I'm going to be biased and go with the Australians. The toss is all important. I think it'll be a normal, from what I'm seeing on the news footage that's coming around the world at the minute, I, I'm seeing that it's going to be a, a, a normal oval wicket that's going to have a bit of pace and a bit of bounce in it as the game goes on with a bit of seam, early doors. And I think if Australia can get on the right side of that toss and get off to a positive start, I think they're going to be bloody hard to knock off. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's going to be, I think Australia win. I think Australia could win comfortably for the simple fact, India, India, the preparation's been good. They've been here a while, um, but a lot of their players off the back of a long, hard IPL moving ball conditions because even though the sun's out and we've seen it in London at Lords the other day that it does get you know warmish not not the, the sort of tight temperatures that Australia and India are used to but when it's warm here the ball moves and when the ball moves I think the the bowling stocks that Australia have got just getting themselves ready to go for the world for the for the ashes I think they'll be they'll be right at it so for me I think if Australia turn up and play to their potential, then I think Australia will beat India um, inside five days. I don't think we've got a reserve day. I think the scoring at the Oval is quick scoring ground. The pitch will be decent. Um, but both bowling, both bowling attacks have got wickets in them. So for me, I just think Australia's bowling attack is a little bit better than India's. Good work, my friend. Top score of 49. You deserved every run you got there because you've just gone for the Aussies. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. <laughs> Uh, the uh, World Test Championship gets underway, of course, um, and uh, at the Oval, uh, Wednesday evening, uh, our time. Um, you'll hear it all on the SEN network and on the SEN app. For Australian money, it's important to buy Australian right now. Look for the logo and be sure it's Aussie. Road to the Ashes with Simon O'Donnell and Steve Harmison. Welcome back to Road to the Ashes. Thanks to Australian Made. Look for the green and gold kangaroos. Simon O'Donnell, Steve Harmison with you. I mean, I'm pretty excited. We've got one of your good mates coming on and you've um, you've spent time with him out in the cricket field. You've spent time with him uh, journeying around the world, journeying around parts of England. And I reckon you might have a pretty good rapport with him. And I talk of Monty Panesar, former England spin bowling great, who joins us on Road to the Ashes. Uh, Monty, fantastic to have you on board today. I've never met you. I've always wanted to, and I'm bloody pleased to be able to look at you and say g'day. Thanks, mate. Thank you for having me on the show. And, yeah, it's good, good to say g'day to you as well. It's a big couple of months coming up uh, with the with the Ashes. We'll, we'll stick get past the the um, the World Test Championship just for the minute and stick with uh, the, the Ashes and what's ahead. What? Your favourite Ashes memory for you? What 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 is it? Uh, probably, I think the, one of my favourite memories, you know, like probably was, um, you know, playing that first Test match at Perth, and you know, obviously I took five wickets, but then um, just the contest with Gilchrist, really. I remember getting him out, sort of second ball. He, he he had a massive stride and he sort of gloved it, and then 
I thought, what's the big fuss about Adam Gilchrist? You know, everyone thinks he's like, you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread. And, you know, he's, he's not very good against left arm spin. And then in the second innings, when he got 100, probably the quickest, second quickest 100 in test cricket, I kind of realised how good this guy was. I think he hit me for four sixes in one over. And then Freddie came up to me and goes, Monty, I think uh, that's, that's done. I don't think you're going to bowl another over. So uh, I soon realised how good Adam Gilchrist was. Was Harmy much help to you when that carnage was going on? I, I, I wouldn't have seen him coming to give you a hand in any stage while that was happening, Monty. No, I did. No, I not did, at all, mate. I did, Mont, I did. I did. I took you to start bowling darts because them, <laughs> them four sixes went all over my head. I said a couple of weeks ago, the roof of my mouth was sunburned watching them go into the stand. But you, when you, when you, I remember having a conversation with you during that that spell and that time. And looking you in the eyes and going, this month, this is what, this is what the big time is. This is what Ashes cricket is all about. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I remember. You know, you're, you're talking to me about it, and um, the instant, the one thing I really um, like caught me straight away was like the way Harmy or even Andrew Flintoff, you know, some of the other guys like Kevin Peterson. Once you put them into like an England shirt against in an uh, against the Australians, immediately they'll switch into this sort of. Um, you know, that's it. We, we're really competitive. We've got to get this guy out. And you're really on top of the, the batsman straight away. And that one thing I realised, I, I thought to myself, you know, one was really apparent how quickly you guys just switched into that competitive mode. Instantly, once, you know, it was sort of Ashes cricket, it was just the contrast difference, you know, for me, how relaxed you guys were off the field. But on the field, it was just like, right, you know, I'm, 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 it's that killer instinct just quickly switched on. And we, we Monty, we lost 5-0 and probably deserved to lose 5-0 because of the teams that were on show at that time and how well Australia played in and how difficult it is to win in Australia. But winning in England, you were, you were in Australia in 10-11, but winning in England was, was a little bit easier. We felt as always a bit easier for us and we were obviously a lot more comfortable in our own back garden. But you have to get off to a good start. And the good start was Cardiff. And just just talk us through what happened at Cardiff in that last sort of hour and people running on and running off and what Jimmy Anderson was like and what Ricky Ponton was saying to you, what you can say, obviously, live on radio, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, like, well, obviously, you know, I think, um, you know, when I went out to bat, I thought, well, you know, I average four... I think one inside edge and another outside edge, and then the third ball I'm out. You know that's how good my batting is. So for me to like go to Cardiff and actually, um, you know, save that Test match, I think Jimmy was kind of helping me how to uh, play against the seamers, and I was kind of helping him against the spin. You know, I always said to him, you know, when the ball goes past you and it turns, don't just follow it, just hold the line of the bat because you won't edge it. And um, it kind of helped him. And he and I actually remember in the lead up before the test match, um, and, uh, Andy Flowers said, we need bat batting buddies. We need the tail to wag a little bit. So Paul Collingwood obviously was my batting buddy. And he said, have a short back lift, keep your hands close to you, um, watch the ball, and uh, also protect your stumps. So if it's at, at your stumps, play nice and straight. But if it's going past your nose, drop your hands quickly and just watch the ball. And it kind of, that's all, that's all I was thinking in my mind. I thought, right, at the stumps, play straight. If it's short, just duck out of the way and that's it. So I had two pieces of information to follow and I just did that really. I didn't really think about drawing the test match and every ball went by. I looked at Ricky Ponting's face and 
he wouldn't say anything. He would just look at me and just probably under his breath think, you know, what is this guy doing, you know, batting here and trying to, like, I can't get him out. It's probably one of the worst number 11s I've played in my career. And I can't seem to get this guy out during the Ashes. So um, I think he was probably uh, rather annoyed with me. I'm sure there would have been some words of encouragement from the Australians. Um, <laughs> who was sort of the most vocal while that period of time was happening in the Test match? Yeah, look, there's Peter Siddle telling me a few things. Uh, I think one went past my nose. He goes, the next one's going to hit you on the head. And uh, he bowled a Yorker, you know, he's like trying to double bluff me every time. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, like, oh, his bat sponsor's not going to be happy. You know, you look at him, he's trying to save a test match for England. Oh, he's going to get a huge fine for that. And I remember that test match. I was going to get the bat stickers for the following test match at Lord's. But um, that ended up being my only home test match in England. I don't, I didn't play another home test match after mm. that. Um, all the other ones were away. So uh, yeah, they didn't say too much. They weren't too vocal. But I think, um, I think it was just you know little pieces of things like what Andy Flower was good at. He was able to spot weaknesses in our team and areas where we need to get better at. And and the tail was one area, and that was probably the starting point where we thought right, you know. England want to become number one team in 24 months. They did it in 18. And that was probably that catalyst gave that self-belief to everyone that actually any given situation, we can draw a test match or any given situation, we can sort of come out of it and win. And, you know, that over my dead body kind of uh, attitude. So um, that's when things started to go really well for England after that. What do you think, uh, looking at the squad coming into this, Ashes, Monty. We, we've had Jack Leach, unfortunately, been ruled out with injury and a stress fracture in his lower back. Knowing the the England spinners and still staying involved in cricket as you have done since you've retired, what are you sort of seeing as a, a possible outlet from a spin point of view during the Ashes? Is there a fresh face about? Well, I think um, there's, there's, there's no like frontline spinners at the moment that are going to compete with Jack Leach and if they look at a like-for-like -like replacement, then it'd probably be someone like Liam Dawson who can bowl a little bit, do a look, you know, bat and, you know, do a good job, control one end. I think that's what Ben Stokes will probably want. He wants someone who can give him 15, 20 overs, control one end. And the same thing with Moen Ali. He could be the other guy that they look up to as a frontline spinner. Because at some point, they will need a frontline spinner. Maybe at Old Trafford at the Oval. And before that, they've got, obviously... Um, few four-day games coming coming along. You know, I think June the 11th, they've got uh, there where they may see the likes of Will Jacks, Mo and Ali, all of them sort of being given a game and see how, they, uh, how they're bowling. Because, you know, at Edgebaston, I don't know, they may just, may not even go with a frontline spinner. You know, may just, uh, you know, don't be surprised if the Australians see an extra inch of grass on the first day on the Edgebaston wicket because there isn't a spinner there and uh, it keeps the likes of Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad, in the game throughout the whole test match, um, you know, that could be a strategy. Ben Stokes may think, you know what, I may just have to reverse it now and, and, and produce sort of SEMA friendly pitches because we just don't have a frontline spinner at the moment. Or even if they do, um, the Australians will go look to our, look to go after him as well, you know, psychologically. So I just, I don't know if they should play, um, uh, should have flat wickets. I just think maybe they should ch uh, play home advantage to, to the England SEMAs. And Mont, you talk about you know the spinner, somebody you know very, very well. He, he said he fell out of love with Test cricket, um, didn't enjoy playing Test cricket. 
There's a lot of talk in England at this minute in time, bringing Moen, Moen Ali back. You know Moen. Um, one, would you bring him back? And two, where do you think Moen's sort of mindset is at this moment in time? Can he get ready for 10 days' time if he is picked to go into the first test match? Well, I think the first question I'll ask Moen is, are you 100% committed you know, to come back and play? You know, do you, do you still want to play Red Bull cricket? And uh, how was your stock delivery? You know, are you ready to bowl 20 to 30 overs in the first innings? Or, um, you know, we want 40 overs out of you in a test match. Are you able to do that? And if the answer is yes, then I would play him on June the 11th, you know, where they, they've got a game at Edgebaston, I think it's Warwickshire, do have a first-class game there. Play him there, see how he's playing, because if he's got the appetite, and like you said, if he's still got love for Red Bull cricket, then put him in four-day cricket and see how he's bowling, you know, if he really wants to play Ashes cricket. And I just think that's what they should do. And there's a few first-class games, you know, before that, you know, through um, each test matches. And, and that gives time for England, for the likes of Rob Key to assess and think, right, do we bring a spinner in or not? Um, but they but they may just go the other way, where Chennai has been with Ben Stokes, like Chennai Super Kings, and you'll say, look, we were part of a winning IPL team. We know how we're going to, we know how to win uh, at the moment. Maybe that winning momentum is needed in the England team right now. And, you know, because the first test match is at Edgebaston, Moen, are you ready to play? If his answer is yes, right, he'll probably then play that first test match, even not, uh, you know, playing the first class game. What are you, a couple of very important questions, particularly the last one I'm going to ask you. But 12 times you got five wickets in an innings. What's the one you remember most? Well, that's a good question. I think, obviously, I remember my first one against Sri Lanka at Trent Bridge. That was my first five-fight ever, you know, and that was like, um, for me, it was a big deal getting five wickets for England. But probably the one which I find obviously, you know, memory to, to me was probably in Mumbai, um, where I took, I think, uh, 10 wickets in a match. And me and Swanee kind of won that sort of test match. Kevin Peterson played unbelievable, scored 180. It was a, a, a brilliant knock. But then that was the first time under Al uh, Alistair Cook's captaincy. You know, we, we won the, the, the tour to India first time in 27 years. So that was, you know, a big moment for us. And since then, I think no team has won in India. So India sort of seems to be the now the, the new, you know, the next thing for any team to go there and, and, and beat them because they're, so, they're just unbeatable uh, in, uh, in Indian conditions. The second part, and a very serious part to this um, question, Monty, did you ever, did, did you feel robbed in a way that you weren't batting number 10 for England and you were batting behind Steve Harmison? <laughs> I always thought Steve Harmson never had, uh, you know, he, he never had it, had it as a batsman. He used to have his, <laughs> uh, his, his, his gun and more kit. He, 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 first of all, he didn't have, first of all, he didn't have to hold a bat, let's be honest. You know, he was in the dressing room. He didn't know how to hold a bat, right? But then, secondly, <laughs> like, he, he would think he can hit big sixes and, you know, he, he would be like, yeah, you know, I, I can do a job here. But I was like, come on, Steve, let me be at 10. Let me take on the sort of new ball and then you come in at 11 and then, you know, I'll, I'll give you a strike, you know, five balls and then, you know, you can have one ball or something like that. You know, get a get off strike and then let me build an innings. But unfortunately, the role's reversed. And I think whenever I see Steve Harmson, I always feel like I robbed him of a first ever 
50 in test cricket, which he deserved to have. He batted so, so well at the Oval. And um, I just, he, he got to 49 and uh, unfortunately he didn't get his 50s. So I feel like I, I, you know, he deserves at least one first class, one test 50. That was so I didn't want him to. I didn't want him to hit sixes and fours. I just want him to run one more run. <laughs> <laughs> that was a run out, wasn't it? You yeah, I wasn't very good with my running. <laughs> you know, I think me and Imzaman have something in common. We both were very <laughs> slow off the mark. <laughs> we we have a uh, we we've had a bit of a joke over the journey because Harmy's highest test score is um is uh, bigger than mine, and I used to try and bat it. Number seven, uh, Monty. So uh, that's how bad a player I was. And be assured, before you came on, the only reason you were able to come on that your top score is twenty six in Test cricket and wasn't above forty eight. Because if it was above forty eight, <laughs> you wouldn't be anywhere near this podcast tonight. <laughs> Absolutely, I think uh, Harmy selects his uh, guests, the guys who have had lower Test score than him and batted below him as well. And I seem to fit that bill immediately. So uh, I can see why I'm on this podcast. And you're an absolute beauty, Mont. But before we <laughs> yeah, let you absolutely. go... Yeah, absolutely. You didn't... You've, well, you haven't, mentioned, you haven't mentioned Luton Town. We're in the Premiership, mate. Oh, yeah. He's a Luton Town supporter, Simon. Okay. Luton Town supporter. So what division they've the gone Premier... from... They've gone up, obviously. They're not in EPL. Or they are, are they? Yeah, they're in the top top division. Wow. Yeah, but it's going to be interesting. It's interesting that for the away fans at the minute, you've actually got to go. I think you've got to go through somebody's house to get into their ground. So their ground needs a little bit of improving to get up to the Premier League standard. They've done well, and there was Monty Sir Alistair Cup waving their flags at Wembley last week. So good on you, Mont. Well done. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to playing against Newcastle, and then. Uh... You know, I'm sure uh, many of the sort of Geordie fans, they don't really know where Kenilworth Road is. But I'm sure when they arrive and we beat them, they'll soon know what, how good the Hatters are. What we've got to do, Monty, and if you could just move quickly and we can do a, um, we can uh, for, formulate a company, just the three of us. Can you go and find that house that you have to walk through to get into the ground, buy it immediately? Absolutely, <laughs> just buy it immediately. And then we can go to the EPL and do a little deal with them. We'll make ourselves a few bob before next season starts. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Well, they've got 75 days to spend £10 million. And I hope it does go towards that porch that everyone has to go through to get to the away, you know, get into the stadium. They'll probably change that and do some refurbishments as well. And, uh, yeah, so it's exciting times in Luton as well. And, you know, they, they, they can't wait. It's the biggest thing that's happened to the town. You know, they're going to inject, I think, over 200 million into the economy over the next year or so. They've got a massive Luton airport as well. So there'll be loads of people from different parts of the world coming in, just watching maybe Man City, Man U, Arsenal at Kenilworth Road. So, you know, the likes of Jurgen Klopp doesn't know where it is, but um, I'm sure he'll know, you know, smallest ground ever in the Premiership. I think it's only 10,000. So exciting times at Luton. Fantastic. Uh, Molly, great to have you on board. Your, your prediction for the Ashes series. Well, it depends. If I've got an Australian asking me, then uh, I'll say 5 0 to England. But then, uh, obviously, if I've got to be realistic. We're going to be like that, are we? I think Ben Stokes is going to produce some entertaining cricket, I'll be honest with you. He's going to be brilliant. He's going to, his captaincy decision making is what is going to, everyone's going to be talking about. How, you know, the direct the, the relation that he made, sorry, at, at Pakistan, you know, that first test match. A lot of captains wouldn't have done that in the past. So that is what I think 
people are going to look for is, oh, is he going to declare and make a game out of this to lose? And I'm, I'm sure they'll put maybe they may lose one or two test matches, but it'll be in an entertaining fashion. And I've been speaking to a lot of England fans right now, and they're saying, I don't care if we lose the Ashes, as long as it's entertaining cricket. That's all they care about. And I think, you know, England, the way they are at the moment, the X factor that they bring to the table, and Ben Stokes, hopefully his knee is good. I just edge England. I think it'll be 3-2. Every game's going to be a result. Hopefully the weather won't be that great. I think England will just edge it 3-2. Great to hear from you, Monty. And we look forward to... um... Uh, to hearing from you again as that tour goes on because, and I want to hear more about the run out, but I want to hear it in person somewhere when I'm over in the UK about <laughs> how you run out of Army for 49. I think that's absolutely brilliant. We should replicate it maybe somewhere outside <laughs> Regent's Park or something when we're going for that run. What a very Monty, the ball would have to go for nearly four <laughs> for me and you to run another single, especially the size of me at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> Monty, great to have you on board. Enjoy the Ashes series. Uh, thanks for, you, for your time tonight uh, or in the morning and getting up nice and early as you have. Uh, enjoy the Ashes. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me on the show. And, I, yeah, I look forward to it uh, over the Ashes joining you guys. Good on you, Monty. Panasar joining us there. Um, what uh, a wonderful thrill to, to be chatting to him and knowing that, you know, the bloke that just stopped Harmy from getting a half century, a test half century. I just, I'd be sick. Steve Harmson had a test half century. It just shouldn't happen. Time for a cricket odds update with Tom Haylock from Betfair. Back or lay test cricket only at Betfair. What's gambling really costing you? Australia versus India, the lead up to the Ashes. It's interesting if this is a warm-up match for Australia or not. But Australia going to the match at $2.02, India $2.94. The draw, $5.80. Interesting there is a reserve day as well, so it could go to day six. The Ashes, obviously not far away as well, Simon. England $2.42, Australia $2.00. $2.16, drawn series $7.60 as well. So I can't wait for that. We've got plenty of markets at betfair.com.au. The top Australian series run scorer. There's two heading the market, obviously, Steve Smith and Labashane, who have been playing county cricket. Not much red ball cricket for a lot of the players uh, of late. So it's going to be an interesting series. I can't wait. Head to betfair.com.au for all your Ashes markets. Good on you. You can find better odds on Test cricket at Betfair. Play your way. What's gambling really costing you? For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelpline.org.au. For Australian mate, it's important to buy Australian right now. Look for the logo and be sure it's Aussie. Road to the Ashes with Simon O'Donnell and Steve Harmison. This is Road to the Ashes. Thanks to Australian made. Look for the green and gold kangaroos. Some questions have been coming in right throughout the week uh, from our listeners uh, around the world. A couple of interesting ones. One in particular that I'm going to start off with. Harmy, it's for you. Tell us once and for all, what in the world happened with the opening ball of the 2006 (laughs) Ashes at the Gabba? I know you're good friends with Freddie Flintoff. I know you were bowling to him pre-game, but that (laughs) was just all a bit much. Yeah, just a bit much. It's just... Trying too hard. I literally tried too hard. I'd love to say I froze. I can't remember being in that position. We're all nervous going into an Ashes series. Um, comes back to preparation as well. Yeah, the preparation is is huge. And I had saying you weren't prepared. I wasn't prepared. No, I think before two thousand and five, I had thirty first class wickets in five games, off the back of a fantastic one day series. Um, going into two thousand and six seven. I didn't play in the warm-up games 
in Adelaide and somewhere else just beforehand. And we, if you remember the side that we had, we had a we had a lot of play, quite a few players missing. I'm I'm sounding like Stuart Broad and talking about the void series here, but <laughs> it wasn't like that. It was nowhere near like that. Um, and I declared myself fit. I was fully fit. I just was wasn't bowling prepared. Um, and then, like I said, my best mate threw me ball at me a minute to eleven, and I give it back. 30 seconds later and just what do you think? it's like a good curry I just missed the middle man out you visualise the night before and you tell yourself you run up Justin Langer got hit Ponson got hit Hayden got hit all within six overs at Lords and um, you had the all short balls and they were nervous as what we are so I'm going to run up gather pitch it up try and swing it back onto Alfie's off stump he's going to miss it LBW or he's going to nick it straight to slip <laughs> and I got 95% of it spot on I just missed the middle man out so yeah, it's one of them things. The best, the best, best reaction, the hilarious reaction was if you can imagine the thirty-yard circle. Matthew Hoggard is now standing on the thirty-yard circle, with his hands in the air, going, "Yes, yes, oh no, no." There's no Barmy Army cheering. Freddie's got the ball in his hand. Army's bowled it. He surely hasn't bowled it straight there. So he's got his arms up, and then he just starts sort of windmilling as the sort of warm up for bowling at the next the old next over at the at the uh, at the other end so look all in all it was it was just a it was just literally try too hard try to bowl too fast and it's a lesson for any youngster out there mm. make sure you're prepared because i wasn't and you never and that's never going to leave me it's never going to forget and i'm never going to forget it but i had a great I bowled another ball great moment. yeah but another ball i bowled another ball 15 seconds later and the one thing I will take from that series is I never give up because mm. after that moment, I made sure that I stood on the field for every second that that series was while I was getting picked. But unfortunately we weren't very good and we didn't have many people to come in because a lot of people were getting dropped after that ball. And I played five <laughs> test matches. So it's no surprise that we lost five nil. Oh dear. No, that was, uh, I mean, Dying to ask you that question, and uh, so have a, a lot of our listeners, and I've been more keen to ask that question since I know your highest test score is 49, and mine's 48. <laughs> Another question here from Alex, uh, back over your way again, Harmy. Is Ben Compton a chance to get a look in if Jonathan Crawley struggles? Now, he started the summer, obviously, very well with a half century and a, three quick boundaries in the second innings against Ireland. Um is there a bit of a microscope on Jonathan Crawley and is Ben Compton the man? Crawley's it's Zach, Zach, Zach Crawley. He's not, he's not getting Zach dropped. Crawley? Zach's not getting dropped. Nowhere in the world is he getting dropped. Um, I think this, the only way I think Crawley comes out of the team is if England are short of bowling and Ben Stokes can't bowl. Then they might have to look at we're going to have to get a fifth bowler in here, and if we get a fifth bowler in, the only way, the only batting slot that's that's up for grabs is the, at the top of the order. It's Crawley. So if Stokes misses out a couple of times with the ball, comes back, tries to bowl, and his knee's not right, you might find that everybody moves up one, and someone like Sam Curran comes into the into the team, bats at number at number seven or. They might then play, if they are playing Will Jacks or Mo and Ali, then one of them bats seven and Sam Crawley comes in at number eight, gives you five bowling, bowling options. For me, that's the only way you're going to get Crawley out of the team. Compton scored some runs. There's one or two others. Lees is scoring, scored a few runs. Um, back in form. 
no, I don't think any of them have got a chance. And that, that's the problem with Crawley. There's one thing dropping him, the other thing is replacing him. And you've got to replace him with somebody that fits into the mould of the way Stokes and McCullum want to want to play. Compton, he's a blocker. I can't see him coming back. I, I can't see him being in the reckoning for for to play Test cricket while um, McCullum and Stokes are in charge of this cricket team. Alex, there's a pretty good answer to your question um, on Zach Crawley. Where did I get Jonathan from? John Crowley played in the 99 Ashes. He played in 2001. Been 2002-03 when I, I came over for the first time. Middle order batsman from Lancashire and Hampshire. That's who you're thinking of. Yeah, that's not, not too good when I'm asking about someone who played 20 years ago, really, is it? I don't think he's going to do much in the series. What do you think? It's a, it's a sign of old age. Hey, hey. Um, <laughs> be enough of that, thank you very much. We, he was a good lot. player, John Crowley. He was. He was a good player. He's obviously stuck in my mind um, along the way. Well, uh, it's going to be a fantastic cricket summer. You can follow uh, all of it on our social media at SEN underscore cricket on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok at TalkSport2 or at cricket underscore TS on Twitter. Harmy, another show comes to, uh, to an end. We get closer and closer. When we meet next week, we'll know who won the World Test Championship and we'll be right into the Ashes starting on June 16. I look forward to that. Yeah, I can't wait, man. I can't wait. Thanks again. Good on you. Steve Harmison joining us there. This has been Road to the Ashes. Thanks to Australian Made. Look for the green and gold kangaroo. We'll be back next week for one final show before the first ball is bowled at Edgbaston on June 16.